Good morning. My name is Heather Pittman, and I will be reading scripture this morning. We will start with a psalm, Psalm 133, and it will be sung responsively. So just to practice that refrain, the piano will play it first, the singers will sing it the second time, and the third time the congregation will join in, and then the psalm actually starts with the refrain, so we will be singing it twice. pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down upon the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down over the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord ordained the blessing of life forever. scripture reading from Matthew 15 verses 10 to 20. Then he called the crowd to him and said to them, listen and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but it is what comes out of the mouth that defiles. Then the disciples approached and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind guides of the blind. And if one blind person guides another, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain this parable to us. Then he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out into the sewer? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles. For out of the heart come evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. The Gospel of Christ. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. 
May the words of my mouth and may the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. We pray, O oh God, by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would give us new hearts, free of anxiety, worry, and sin. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, I don't know if this is not an ad for Amazon, by the way. Good idea, though. Um, I don't know if you've seen the series Ted Lasso. It's about an American football coach who's hired to run an English soccer team, and hilarity ensues. It's generally funny, lighthearted, and has become well-known as a feel-good show when so many other series on TV are dark and pessimistic. Um, the last season is a bit of a stinker. I hate to ruin it for you, but the last season is a bit of a stinker. Um, but one thing it did well for a long time is have characters with plenty of flaws who found themselves the recipients of unexpected grace. Now, uh, spoiler alert, if you don't want me to reveal anything about something that happens in the final episode of Ted Lasso, please cover your ears now or take an extended bathroom break. So in the last episode, all the coaches and the manager are gathered around in a circle sharing some of their personal disappointments. And uh, Roy Kent, one of the team coaches, shares how recently he screwed up a relationship with another character, uh, Keeley. And you can see Roy and Keeley on the slide. Uh, there you go. And I won't do the Roy, if you're familiar with the show, I won't do the Roy uh, impression here, um, which would be great. But... Uh, but uh, for the past year, no, um, uh, for the past year, he says, for the past year, I busted my friggin' butt, let's just say it doesn't say those words, but it says my friggin' butt, trying to change. But apparently it hasn't done something, poop, or another word for that, because I'm still me. I mean, he's the most foul-mouthed coach, by the way, so it's not friggin' butter poop, it's other words. I'm still me. I've done everything I thought possible, but I'm still me. To which Ted, the head coach, replies, well, did you want to be somebody else? Yeah, Kent replies. Yeah, I wanted to be somebody better. Can people change? I wanted to be somebody better. Can people change? Roy's question here is one that a lot of us ask ourselves regularly. He did everything right, tried his hardest, but in the end, he ended up being the same old Roy. No doubt, a lot of us here, if not all of us, can identify in some way. The truth is that most, if not all of us, want to change. We want to be better. We want to do better. We want to be good. But change is extremely hard, if not impossible. So seeing how change is extremely hard, the question stands, can we change? And if so, how? In today's scripture, we're presented with one model of change 
in fact, at the beginning. The model is this. Do good things. Don't do bad things. Don't do, do good things. Don't do bad things. This week we find Jesus in trouble with the Pharisees. One commentator refers to them as the serious, capital S. These are the religiously hardcore with whom Jesus constantly butt heads. This time they pointed out that Jesus' followers don't wash their hands before they eat. Now, of course, we who are acquainted with germ theory see washing our hands as a matter of good health and hygiene. But the Pharisees, for the Pharisees, keeping your hands clean before you eat is a religious and moral obligation with its roots in the Old Testament's book of Leviticus. To eat the food dedicated to God, one must present oneself in purest form to God. Wash your hands. Holiness and unholiness is more or less the language that the Bible uses to talk about getting better or getting worse. Goodness and ungoodness. Holiness and unholiness. If you want to grow in holiness or at least maintain it, you wash your hands before you eat. And if you don't wash your hands, you introduce spiritual impurity by way of the mouth, teeth, and gums. Wash your hands to maintain or get better. Don't wash them and you'll get bad. You'll get worse. Now, this isn't as crazy as it sounds. I mean, we were, we were washing our hands, too, as if our salvation depended upon it, you know, a couple years ago. Not just as an issue of cleanliness, but as a moral issue. An act of hygiene that we believed could make us more holy or less holy. It's not that crazy or superstitious the way the Pharisees believed. But there's all this stuff that we do that goes beyond hygiene. It's the food we eat. It's organic or conventional. It's whether we exercise or whether we don't. It's the news we consume or the stuff we say and share on social media or the stuff we don't say and get in trouble for not saying it. It's holding the right or wrong political views. It's in our parental techniques, breastfed or bottle-fed, holy or unholy. For Christians, it's often if we pray enough, know enough scripture, read the Bible, believe hard enough, the holier we'll get. And if we don't do these things, we'll become less holy. The point of disagreement that we usually have is what is good and what is bad, but it all functions the same. Whatever you think doing makes you good or makes you bad. Whatever gives you a sense of rightness and self-satisfaction and whatever gives you a sense of anxiety and guilt for not doing enough. It's akin to the Pharisees washing or not washing their hands. Do good things, get good. Do bad things, get bad. Simple, straightforward paradigm. How do we change? How do we get better? The Pharisees, Pharisees model is our model. Do the right things, avoid the wrong ones. Do good, refrain from evil. Very simple. It's simple enough, but it's not that simple, is it? There's one big problem with this whole paradigm that is that it doesn't work. It doesn't work, at least not the way that we think it works. Listen to Jesus' response 
to the Pharisees. Listen and understand, he says. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person. It's what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. Or as Eugene Peterson in his message translation puts it, it's not what you swallow that pollutes your life, it's what you vomit up. I mean, do you know what throwing shade means? Does anybody know what throwing shade means? Well, Jesus is throwing shade right here. It's a dig at the Pharisees. These guys diligently do all the right things. They keep the law. They wash their hands. But none of this has kept them from being self-righteous jerks. He sees these folks as weeds with shallow roots, ready to be plucked up. They are blind, leading the blind, likely to run likely to lead you right down into a pit. All the hand-washing in the world, all the wholesome holy food that's gone into their bellies has done nothing to keep them from spewing up self-righteousness. They're judgmental. They're ready to jump at every little transgression or mistake. Despite all the stuff they've done to do good, to be holy, to get better, nothing has actually made the difference. Their goodness has actually created yet another problem, and that problem is pride. Pride in themselves. They're right back to where Roy Kent is. They just don't know it. So Jesus has to point it out for them. This is the conundrum of goodness, isn't it? The more we do, the better we do, there's always a good chance that we'll become prideful and self-justified. We get perfect abs over here, clearly not me, but we get perfect abs over here, and we're left wondering why can't everybody else just work out and stop eating junk food just like me? It's so simple. Do good, don't do bad. Or that guy with the perfect abs over here, clearly not me still. This is my voice, obviously. Why can't he just be more chill and stop being so judgmental like me? What's wrong with this guy? Do good. Don't do bad. Sounds simple, but Jesus says it doesn't work the way that we think it does. The truth is that like the Pharisees, we get better in some way, but there's always something else that moves into that vacuum. That's the true paradox of spirituality. It just doesn't seem fair, does it? We do our best to do good and refrain from bad. We follow the system. We climb the ladder. And yet, we're just another flavor of who we were in the first place. I mean, why is that? It just doesn't seem fair. Well, the issue that is that the problem isn't just a matter of what we do on the outside at all. It's so hard to change because the problem's way deeper than we ever thought it was. It's not just our hands that we can wash clean and away, scrub. After throwing some grade-A shade at the Pharisees, Jesus elaborates further on the whole mouth-stomach thing. Let me paint you a picture, Jesus says. Let me get a little more graphic. Uh, food goes in the mouth, it makes its way to the stomach, and finally, in the end, it gets flushed. In one end, 
out the other. Hand washing is just like that. It doesn't stay in you. What passes through your vocal cords, what comes out your mouth as words, what, that comes from your heart. Like, not literally from your heart, Jesus says. Not the heart that some pumps blood, but it's in biblical thinking. The heart is the center of our being, our most inward self, our decision-making center. Jesus says that that bad stuff we do is actually generated within us. We just heave it up, so to speak. According to Jesus, the source of evil and unholiness doesn't come from the outside like food. It comes from the inside. Jesus provides us with a nice list, one that lines up with the last uh, six of the Ten Commandments. Murder, first plotted out in the heart. Adultery, conceived in the heart. Theft, the heart first cases the joint and then goes for it. False witness, visualized right there in the heart. And slander, strategized where, you guessed it, in the heart. All this stuff gets its beginning, is thought of, is stewed on, is incubated and acted upon within us, within the human person. It's not what goes into us that defiles us, Jesus says, that makes us impure, unholy, makes us bad, but what comes out of us that makes us impure because it comes from the heart. Now here Jesus is invoking what we call the doctrine of of, we should call it the S word, just to prepare people. Sin. The doctrine of sin. It's got a bit of a bad rap. It's often used as a club. You know, kind of be like, look at this sinner over here. You're a sinner. Stop doing that. But it's this idea in Christianity that though each of us is made good, precious, and loved, each of us is fallen. We're all fallen. Wonder why it's so hard for you to change? It's because there's something wrong with you on a deeper level than you could possibly imagine. One that goes beyond good or bad actions, and that problem is sin. It's this flaw within each of us that clouds our ability to be holy, to choose the good, and to be good. We're born into a broken world, and that brokenness makes its way into us as soon as we enter into it. It's not all we are, of course, not even close, but it's something that's so deeply part of us that there's nothing we can do to fix it. The heart is the true problem, Jesus says, the true source of all evil, which is to say none of our rituals, none of our techniques, none of our spiritual practices, structures, or strategies to get better, to do good, will actually get us there. Because even when we think we're there, that's when we're probably not there. This is why it's so hard to change. The truth is that we all end up back where Roy Kent is in one way or another, whether we know it or not. No amount of hand-washing can cleanse our hearts. It's always going to bubble back up in some other way. 
The problem is the heart, and the heart, like hope and art surgery, you can't really perform on yourself, can you? Sounds pretty bleak, I know. Sounds like the answer to Roy Kent's question, can we change, is uh, no, nope, nope. <laughs> nope. All right, so what are we doing here today? Why do we show up? Why do we brave the smoke? I mean, maybe it's, this is bigger than our house and we can stretch out our legs or something like that. But why do we come today if there's nothing we can do? The thing is that we do believe that people can change, and they change all the time, in fact. And it's miraculous, and it's absolutely wonderful. It just doesn't happen, it just doesn't work the way we think it works. With constant striving to be, do, to be and do good and to avoid all evil, because as I said, that does nothing to change the heart. No, the heart changes in a way that's kind of the opposite from that. The Pharisee's path, also known as the path of the entire human race, <laughs> is looking at our lives and judging how much closer to God or to goodness or to perfection or nirvana or total self-actualization we are and reaching for it further and further and harder and harder, but the Christian path is more like having someone reach out to you and into you. It's more about seeing ourselves as we are and telling the truth about it. Not about seeing how good we're getting, but in constantly seeing how we're falling, we've fallen short, that we're not actually who we're supposed to be. It's been said that the more spiritually mature we get, the more cognizant of our sins we actually are. I mean, isn't that a paradox? I mean, Mother Teresa was always talking about how she could do more and hadn't done what she was supposed to do. Not about how good we're getting, but constantly seeing how we've fallen short. I mean, isn't it that the case with everybody who thinks holy, they're always honest about their faults and about their failure and humble about their accomplishments and successes and non-judgmental, always willing to credit others. Remember what Jesus says about the Christian life, take up your cross and follow. You want to live, he says, you got to die to yourself. I mean, how do you die, really? But think about it. To, get, to set the world right, God chose the cross. God chose the point of lowness, of suffering, humiliation, shame to bring about a whole new world. St. Paul doesn't say that once we got our lives together and then God made everything good. What he said was that while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. All who have fallen short, which means you and it means me. He died to heal the brokenness in our hearts. St. Paul says again elsewhere, in the same way God uses our weaknesses, not our strengths, to bring about good. It's why we confess our sins every Sunday. And we say, well, I haven't done anything wrong. Well, I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's the issue here. If you don't think you haven't done anything wrong, maybe you don't quite see it. Maybe that's that pride reaching out. 
That's why we confess our sins every Sunday, because we know that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more so. The way God heals our hearts is found in letting our egos die. It's not in constantly just reaching and striving for the good, but it's realizing our lack of goodness. And receiving grace, knowing that we are loved in spite of it all. And that forgiveness is ours for the taking. Can people change? Can we get better? Which is to say, is there a technique or practice or thing we can do? Or hopefully just buy. I mean, I'm always doing that. I'm like, oh yeah, if I get that computer with, that doesn't let me on Facebook, then um, perhaps I will be a better person in the end. Can we buy or do something that will make us good? Jesus says, no. No, we can't. Nothing we can do can repair the human heart. The problem is deeper than we ever thought possible. We cannot change who we are in that deep, fundamental way, but the good news is that there is someone who can. The Christian path of, is, of, Christian path of change is acknowledgement, that the problem in us is deeper than we ourselves can reach. We're deep in the dirt and can't get ourselves out. Not to feel bad, to beat up on ourselves, but to open our broken hearts to the only one who can truly reach them, the living God. The Christian path of change is found in giving up on the idea that we can change ourselves altogether. I mean, what's the first step in AA? We knew that we had a problem that we ourselves could not fix. It's found in giving up on our own goodness and learning to lean on God's. So my message to you today, give up. Give up on trying to change yourself already. Give up and instead give in to the grace of God. Let the Spirit open your heart to the joy and pain of living. Give up and give in to God's grace, which who knows, might change you if you let it. I offer this to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
standing as we will open our hearts again by reciting together the words of the ancient apostles creed praying that god would write god's story on our inward selves our hearts i believe in god the father almighty creator of heaven and 